even though Web3 didn't have incredible positive news, Tugan and Apollo newsletter has reached a thousand subscribers in less than a month. Congratulations, everybody. Our YouTube channel in less than three months, more than 550 subscribers. Big shout out to every one of you. We're gonna do a giveaway this week where you give away $50 in ETH. Good afternoon, everyone. Super bullish news right now. Silvergate is going down. Kukern is getting sued by the United States. And they regard Ethereum as an unregistered security. So the whole market is down, but we're going to talk about like positive news in this podcast. First news is about Amazon launching an NFT platform. Um, what can you tell me about this? I think friend of the podcast, Jeff Bezos, was listening to our previous episodes where we talked about Blur and OpenSea, and he thought, maybe I can get myself into that as well. So Amazon announced that on the 24th of April, they will launch an NFT marketplace featuring 15 NFT collections that are available at launch. However, there's a small trick to this. Mm -hmm. Amazon does not plan to accept wallets such as MetaMask or Phantom, but all of the NFTs will be purchasable through credit cards of the users. And the grand vision of what Amazon is doing is they want to give out NV NFTs for physical goods that they're selling or that users are buying. Okay. And since we know that Amazon is also planning to go into the crypto gaming space, they also want to re reward users with NFTs and token game assets. But I really want to say here, Amazon will not have direct competition with, I believe, OpenSea and Blur, but wants to onboard, I would say, I don't want to use onboard, but part of its user base into this NFT or tokenization part of their business. I think it's really interesting because um, we need this bridge between Web 2 and Web 3. And obviously, like installing MetaMask and everything related is not really like user friendly. So letting people just buy with with not crypto but with credit card, and then you know they own the stuff. And I guess once they purchase it, they can send it outside from Amazon and their wallet or somewhere else. So they have this kind of like user friendly introduction to like blockchain and blockchain benefit. So I think it's mm. it's super like relevant as a combination. And I would say it's safe. So they start with credit card, something they control something they master. Um, so it's quite a prudent but smart move. What I found super interesting, and I would like to know your opinion about it, is they're first starting with the United States, right? So like the most, mm. right now the United States is probably like the most complicated country when it comes to crypto, because like a lot of lawsuits everywhere, a lot of issues, a lot of like backlash, a lot of drama lot of like regulation threat and yet they're starting with, with the United States you know they could have started with some I don't know European countries or like Asian mm. countries or I don't know Latin American countries but no they're starting with the US why or, or do you have an opinion about it so I think you raised a very interesting point of what we also talked about last week where we talked about uh, a startup that allowed NFT projects for the users to buy NFTs with their credit card. And the main question we had, okay, so if you buy NFTs with a credit card, do you pay VAT? And if you don't pay VAT, like, is it a security? And also, if you look back at the what Yuga Labs has been mostly busy with, and the reason that they didn't launch the other side is that they have been battling lawsuits of if they're a security or not. So I, I'm curious of which 
15 NFT collections are going to be listed. Maybe yeah. they're super small and maybe nobody cares about them. Um, so yeah, it's an, in a time where the crypto market is getting hammered down by legislation left and right. I think it's an interesting move to say, here's an NFT, buy it with a credit card. But I think like about a year ago, maybe I'm mistaken, but I think about a year ago, it was Instagram who said they wanted to introduce like some NFT features in marketplace. Does this happen or not? No, uh, there is still this argument of whether Instagram is planning to do so. Similar thing with YouTube right now. Yeah. However, there hasn't been really, I think it was like, it was like a top signal <laughs> one year ago of Instagram doing the same thing. So, okay. yeah. All right. Yeah, it would be good to see like if uh, Amazon will go through and if it's going to be more successful than their adaptation of the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, that's good. To go from Web 2 entering Web 3, let's go about a project that we just talked about, and that's Yuga, Yuga Labs just made 16.5 million, but what's the real cost? So maybe some of you noticed that uh, Yuga Labs had a Bitcoin auction of the 12 folds projects mm -hmm. just a week ago, and they raised over $16.5 million. However, even though $16.5 million is not a bad debut for a first Bitcoin auction, people are pretty unhappy to quote the guy that invented ordinals, so that's the, that's the Bitcoin technology where NFTs are stored at. He said, Dear Yuga Labs, ordinals is right. Actions like this prove that for some entities and people, once a shitcoiner, always a shitcoiner. If I personally, Casey Rodamore, ever see you, Yuga Labs, the entity, fuck around with degenerate bullshit like this again, I will wash my hands of you forever and encourage others, including those close to me, to do the same. And he closes with, get fucked, you, get fucked, you highly regarded morons, Casey Rodamore. So, what do you think about a, a project like Yuga Labs doing an auction like this? And yeah, what's your, what's your opinion on the reactions of the Ordinals founder? Well, I think the reaction from some Bitcoin guy is completely usual for some Bitcoin guy, Bitcoin Maxi. I mean, Bitcoin Maxi has been, have been the most toxic people in the space. Mm -hmm. uh, I think like my favorite one is like Max Kaiser, who's like probably one of the worst troll on the internet, but super funny guy. Um, so they're always super aggressive against like vaguely centralized entities. They hate everything Ethereum related because, you know, they just consider Ethereum. Like for me, like I love like the schizophrenia of Bitcoin maximalists. So, you know, they're like all like libertarian about decentralization. They hate the government, they hate regulation. They want like this kind of free decentralized stuff. And, you know, I agree with it. Super cool vision. Uh, but at the same time, they just wish and beg and pray for like regulation to go after like, you know, Ethereum and all the other layer ones just to kill them. Why? You know, like, so if you hate government and regulation so much, why do you want government and regulation to come and just destroy like other entities? Or maybe you're just like ashamed that nothing is buildable on Bitcoin. I'm not, I mean, it's not that true, but you know, it's, it's quite hard to build on Bitcoin right now. And um, they don't make any innovation. It's like, yeah, it's like gold. It's nice but you can store it, but that's pretty much it. So not super innovative, super schizophrenia regarding like government and regulation. So the reaction is quite like, 
I don't know, expected. But on the other hand, like, you know, what the hell? Like, you build a tech to do NFTs on Bitcoin. You know, NFTs will bring, like, shit coiners, by definition, you know, like, if it's mm -hmm. programmable and you can create a token or an NFT, it's going to attract shit coiners. So, you know, once again, what the fuck? What is this? It's just pure schizophrenia. Yeah. Yeah. One point I want to mention here is that so the main question is, should or was it a good idea that Yuga Labs did this auction in the first place? And for some of your listeners might think like 16.5 million, I mean, it's a lot of shrimp and it is, but Yuga yeah. Labs made over 110 million last year's in royalties from their main collection, from other deeds, Bike and Mike. So I personally think that they opened the door that they shouldn't have simply for the reason is that they still have so much to deliver on their own roadmap and so many things yeah. to do. And now just to do this 12 folds Bitcoin NFT auction that people kind of just buy to flip or there's no real utility. And then you see people playing like monkey dash game that also doesn't really have a utility. Generally, my if I look at the last week in Web3, mm -hmm. I'm genuinely disappointed of what is going on. Like you're on Twitter, it's so toxic. Then you see Bike or Yuga Labs launching this Bitcoin auction. Like there's nothing going on where you're like, wow, guys, great, <laughs> really good. So that's my, that's my opinion on Yuga Labs. I think they should have stick to what they promised to the holders in the beginning and not trying to do a fancy schmancy Bitcoin auction. Well, it's the interesting stuff is over the last months is the only like good news and innovation, I have the feeling, came from like centralized entities like, like you know, big corporations like mm. um, obviously Amazon. I think we spoke about Spotify last time or like, like it was like two episodes ago. And there like Shopify is also like interesting a lot of features and they are, they are like super like bullish and innovative on Web3 mm. and NFT. So I want to introduce like token gated stores or stuff like this. And so actually the innovation, the positive stuff is coming from the other side of um, yeah. more of these like traditional Web2 players. Uh, not from like the pure players of Web3 who are like busy, like, you know, arguing against each other and uh, you know, throwing shit at each other, like, because whatever, everything that's not yours is a shit coin, you know? Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. To, to close off Yuga Labs, and we touched upon a lawsuit that they had to battle, let's talk about another thing that's going on in the space, and that is FTX just got invoiced $38 million dollars for his lawyers and advisors in January. To sum it up quite simply, the main law firm leading the case, Sullivan and Cromwell, billed 16.8 million for 50,000 hours. So that's about 1K per hour. Quinn Urquhart, special counsel, billed 1.4 million. Then we had an on-chain forensic guy that billed 2.1 million for 2.4K hours. And the new CEO of FTX, John Ray, made 300K in February. So if we hear these numbers, um, how do you feel about this? I, I think you made a very small, a very small mistake. Uh, you said that they invoiced FTX. They're not invoicing mm. FTX. At this stage, they're invoicing like creditors, like people who have money in FTX. Um, so it's not FTX who is paying because FTX obviously is bankrupt. It's, you know, people who have their money like I don't know, lost somewhere or stuck somewhere who are going to pay all these law firms. And you need to take into account that it might just last for like years. If you take mm. the MPGOX saga, it's still not down. It was more than 10 years ago. If they continue like this for 10 years, I'm very curious how much money is going to be left for like actual like retail investors and creditors. Yeah. So, but it's, 
for me, it's more like, you know, it's just like the another ev evidence that the whole system is pretty much broken. You know, education system completely broken, health system completely broken. Um, all this like intellectual property patent system completely broken, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, and then the legal system is also completely broken. Like it's absurdly overpriced, absurdly long, um, endless litigation. Like somehow like the hope with crypto was like, okay, you know, we have like this centralized world that we inherited from the industrial revolution, which, you know, like representative democracy, big corporation, uh, centralized school system and everything. and centralized, of course, like banking system. And uh, we were hoping like, okay, so we're going to move to that more decentralized stuff and like more like this new world, but um, I think there's a long way to go to reinvent every single one of these institutions, like the law system, legal, like legal system, medicine, um, and health system, like democracy. I mean, no one believes in democracy anymore. Everyone think that whatever the election outcome, it was like, you know, cheated. Um, so yeah, this um, new paradigm is, it's not really emerging, let's say. So the, for me, that's mm. a little bit like the so if you, yeah. if you look at the the current progress of FTX or mm -hmm. even like Gemini Gem or JP Morgan cut their their ties with Gemini right now, and you talked right now that all these systems are broken a bit in the West. So do you think that some sort of or I want to I want to give an example for that. Let's look at the vaccination. Yeah. Um, before we get a YouTube strike. But that's a perfect example of how that would have been used on the blockchain. Provable, checkable, traceable. Why do you think that these implementations are not actually being built on what the blockchain is intended for in the first place? Well, I, I don't know if vaccination is really the best example because there is this element of privacy around your own health that is like very important, I mean, at least to me. So, you know, the blockchain is public. I don't know if I want to have like my health information on a public ledger. So, um, I would say maybe like blockchain would be more relevant for like election. You know, one vote is one vote. You know, one vote is like, uh, mm. you know, like fungible token pretty much. Uh, you can see everything, track everything. Shouldn't be that hard. Uh, you cannot falsify it. You cannot like invent new electors. Like, you know, it's just pretty much you cannot like just bring like you know bags full of like ballots for you know whatever party or like candidate. Um, I mean maybe some special group of interests you know benefit from this broken system obviously and they're not going to change it. It's like this question of like you know is change coming from within? Like are insiders like through history able to change the system? Or do you need outsiders to come and to just like take it down and create something new, like to just revolutionize it? And my guess is that you would need like outsiders, not insiders. So the insiders will protect the status quo. Outsiders will try to disrupt it. The problem is like by definition, like democracy, political system is controlled by insiders and an outsider cannot just show up and say, hey, you know, we're going to vote differently for the president of the United States. And not going to happen that easily. So. And of course, like insiders will not let outsiders like arrive at the top of the food chain. Just not going to. I mean, yeah. they have no reason to let this happen. So I mean, there's no interest for for people in power to let other people in, right? Yeah, obviously. Like, I mean, like you saw what happened with Elon Musk buying like Twitter and just exposing all the collusion, let's say, between like specific like uh, federal agencies and Twitter employees or, or senior executive. And you have this outsider. 
not American. He's kind of like reckless entrepreneur. He's buying the company and then he's just like exposing all the crap so everyone can just see it. And um, it's quite surprising that they let this happen when you think about it. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, inside the server, like they wanted this to happen that easily. So tokenization for elections not coming up soon. So FTX creditors just got invoiced, like we said, 38 million in the month of January mm-hmm. to move over to hot or not. And we're going to start with a friend of the podcast, Jack Dorsey, who just r- launched a new startup called Damos, the social network you control. So your very own social network for your friends or businesses, what you can do. It's encrypted, no registration required. You have a private key to sign up, no servers, and you can even earn money. <laughs> Tip your friends posts and stack stats with Bitcoin, the native currency of the internet. What do we, what do we think about this, Tugan? I love the move, it's super ghetto. You know, you have a social network, you sell it for 44 billions, and then a week after you create a new one. Like, just pure ghetto move. Then when it comes to like the features, like this decentralized social network, um, yeah, I mean, why not? But I mean, so many companies have just like failed to create like social networks because by definition, you have this chicken egg problem. Like you need to have, like people will join only if you have other people, but these other people will be there only if you already join, you know, pretty much. So I don't know how he plans to solve this chicken egg problem. Uh, granted, he's quite popular, but he's not, I would say, as popular and as followed as, you know, Donald Trump or like Elon Musk or people like this. So I'm not sure he can really initiate uh, like the growth and solve this chicken egg problem. And so many companies have failed like to, to, to do it. So yeah, it sounds like a good idea. Um, I'm curious to see like the execution of the idea now. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Cool. To talk about maybe one one AI tool that is going to help FTX in their lefty litigation, and that's AI lawyer, personal AI lawyer at your fingertips. Say goodbye to expensive consultation, long waits, and appointments. AI lawyer is here to help you. So, any questions that you might have to your AI lawyer, they're going to answer. And yeah. What do we, I mean, we talked a lot about AI and lawyers and yeah. what they're going to do, but how, what do you, how do you think that this is actually going to have an impact on existing lawyers or is that rather something that lawyers themselves should use to outsource? I mean, it sounds like something that will receive like a cease and desist letter, like within like 48 hours. Mm. Um, because being a lawyer, and I think even saying that something or someone is a lawyer is regulated. You can't say, hi, I'm a lawyer. You cannot say it, right? Mm-hmm. If you're not accredited and you don't have the credentials to be a lawyer. So just saying that, hey, we are an AI lawyer might already be illegal. I would say I'm not a lawyer, obviously, but um, regulated corporation. Um, yeah, not. If you say, you know, like I'm like this kind of like, um, I don't know, legal database assistant, not as sexy. And it will help you like understand the law because you know, no one should ignore the law. Okay, good. But now you need to be able to like understand it and to access it. Um, might be like more like compliance friendly. Um, I don't know. I will like. What we see? Like, I think if you want just like like we saw this this product like I think it was do not pay or something like this. Like 
uh, yeah. two months ago. So the same idea, like, okay, you know, we're going to like send like, you know, threats, like uh, arguments and use like legal arguments, like to get a refund or not to pay something. Mm -hmm. You know, why not? Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting one. So to go from AI lawyer mm -hmm. to nobody and nobody is the most knowledgeable contact on your phone. So how this works is you can integrate this into WhatsApp, Discord, or Telegram, and then you can chat with it about any question. So it's basically ChatGPT, just, or let's say a language, an LLM in your WhatsApp, in your Discord, in your Telegram that you can engage with. So from an entrepreneurship perspective, it's super interesting because that's the thing people should do. Like you take the API, you take like the existing technology and you just build a layer of like consumer experience over it or like business experience over it and you ship it super fast to the market. So I like the approach. Um, no, like I'm not sure that um, people would pay for it because they can use ChatGPT for free pretty much. And you know, ChatGPT is fine. So how do, you, how do they plan to compete against ChatGPT? That's the question. Like, why would I pay uh, one box every 100 like messages if I can use ChatGPT for free? That's pretty much like the question they have to answer. Yeah. And it doesn't look that sexy because the description of the product is like, hey, pretty much we are ChatGPT on WhatsApp. All right, cool. You know, that's it. It's not like, you know, for instance, like if you take Lensa that we, that we talked about like, like months ago, um, they had this wow effect. So at the very beginning of AI, you took a few, you, you take a few selfie, upload them, and boom, you have something. They have a wow effect. This product, to my opinion, doesn't have a wow effect. So, yeah, like, I don't know, like, for, like, how they plan to distribute it or to be successful with it. But, I mean, yeah. I'd say the entrepreneurship process is the right one. Yeah. I do think that already comparing what we talked about in, in crypto a bit and the only noticeable thing we realize is that Yuga Labs launched a new collection on Bitcoin. I do feel that AI, at least from a business entrepreneurship perspective, added a bit more value this week. So for example, you can use this, it's going to increase your productivity. Maybe you can get rid of some of your employees, or maybe you can squeeze more money of the employees that you already have. So mm -hmm. I do think that AI is adding a very interesting business component to the space in general. So yeah. that's my opinion on nobody. And we have one more Twig. and that is Twig. Okay. So AI augmented support support agents. Twig analyzes your documentation, knowledge bases and support tickets, answering complex customer questions, reducing costs by 30%. So I'm gonna start with my opinion on this and I think this is quite cool. Um, simply I saw an example of a of something similar to Twig where people were able to talk with an Excel sheet. So for example, you had a profit loss statement of a big corporation and that language model or that scraper was connected to the Excel sheet and any questions that you asked was answered according to that Excel sheet. And you could even ask to build formulas just by text input or build me this, show me this, show me a graph of this just by text input. And I think is is really incredible if you can connect existing databases with a model that actually knows what it's talking about. I think it's like they say, reducing 
staff costs by 30% is quite interesting. What do you think? Yeah. I, I think like regarding customer support, customer support is of course super important for a business. And it is very hard to scale the care, not just to answer people, but to understand them, to understand the specific like situation, their context, to understand properly the product and how they use the product to achieve like a result. And it is very hard to scale this. Um, you know, it's like, so very basic, like tickets, like, you know, where is my package? Okay, you know, you can track it, find it easy. Okay, can I get a refund? Okay, easy. But it's more like, you know, I'm like following this kind of course and I'm in the second video, I'm stuck with, I don't know how to install this, this tool or whatever. Then it's like super hard to scale this kind of customer support. Mm. So yeah, definitely, definitely something interesting. Um, yeah, something like this. Is this something that you would use for your own business? It's definitely something that I would use, yes. If it's like most of my businesses are in French. So if it's available in French, yes, I think I would consider using it, yes. AI augmented support agents. Pretty cool. And mm -hmm. to finish off our startup roast with an AI roast, that is called Roasted by AI. So you can talk to AI and it's going to roast you. <laughs> so this is called Roasted. Hey, I'm here to roast you. Roast our Web3 podcast. It's quite basic. Like I, I tried it before. It just, it's just going to say like, well, you know, like podcast is boring and Web3 web is a joke, pretty much. And then like it will call you an, a hipster or something like this. So it is not very creative in the roasting yeah. for now, at least. Mm. Cool. What do you think is the intention of the person that created this? Just to get some traction. Yeah, I mean, or but there's no business board. model behind this, right? Yeah, no, I don't think so. So maybe just just to grow some traction around like his person, and then like to ship all the features or all the products. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, amazing. So yeah. to round off this episode, even though Web three didn't have incredible positive news of Qcoin getting sued, Ethereum being considered a security the Tugan and Apollo newsletter has reached a thousand subscribers in less than a month congratulations everybody our YouTube channel in less than three months more than 550 subscribers so big shout out to every one of you and I really want to use this opportunity to say is that as with building any product we depend on getting as much as feedback input because we produce for all of you so we're going to do a giveaway this week where we give away $50 in ETH for the person that gives us the best feedback, the best comment on what we can talk about, what we can improve and what you would like us to hear about. So that's my closing feature. I think it's nice even to have a week where we, where is more negative news or you were like, wow, what's going on in Web3? Because it's even a better motivator for the real people to stay in here, keep building, yeah. keep innovating and focus and on the long-term view. And it's really yeah, a question, as you said, of time horizon. Like, you just see the bad news, like the bad short-term news, but like, so you see, like, I don't know, the SEC, like, suing, like, whatever, like, someone. But then you have Amazon coming, you have, like, Spotify, you have Shopify. Um, some banks are saying, like, oh, yeah, we don't like, like, you know, crypto anymore. Well, I mean, yesterday I was, like, um, eating with a banker, and he told me that one of his customers, like, he's working in, I think it's a bank in Liechtenstein or something like this. And uh, one of the was, was a big customer of the bank said like, okay, you know, over this year, I would like to uh, invest 1.5 billion. 
just in Bitcoin. And you have more and more like people like this. Of course, you don't hear about it. Doesn't mean to advertise it, but like you know, adoption is here. Um, you have more and more like wallets, more and more like users, um, more and more like projects, utilities, more and more like big companies joining the space. Mm -hmm. Okay, in the short term, there is like this regulation mess where a lot of people get sued or a lot of people are suing each other. Uh, and uh, they hope that with just suing each other, they manage to like define what are the rules. Not sure it's the best way to define rules. Maybe it's better just to like, you know, just like to write rules that are super transparent, that make sense. And, um, and somehow I do believe that, you know, America is quite an extreme country uh, in a lot of aspects, but it's a very pragmatic country. And so it's in their best interest to keep Web3 innovation at bay, you know, like at least in their like um, economic space. Definitely. So adoption is coming. Keep building friends and see you in the next episode.